Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. And it's funny that we're talking about challenges, but the book of Nehemiah is actually the book about challenges and the value of challenges. There's uh, in the part... I think I, did, I didn't read that part. Somebody else, whoever had chapter four, five, and six would have read the part where it said, some guy said, what is this they're building? Even a fox climbed on this wall, it would crumble. <laughs> okay? Somebody read that. Whoever read chapter four, five, and six probably read that. Yeah, that was me. Oh, I did. Yes. Criticism. Now, Criticism. now, does everybody remember what wall represents in scripture it's in the book when the bible talks about a wall it represents character okay so this the the things that happen to you in life are bricks whether they're good or bad they're bricks that are supposed to build character in you, okay? So there, there are other scriptures I wouldn't go into because you might be like, well, did that just come out of your head? No, there are lots of scriptures that when you study what it talks about walls, it's talking about character, okay? So when you hear about the walls of Jericho, the walls of Jericho are traits and character, character traits that we have that people believe we will never change from. Do you understand? It's like we're sentenced to be that, have that flaw in our character forever. Okay. And so God said, listen, this is not going to come down by might or by power. I just want you guys to walk around it seven times for seven days. And after that, just blow a trumpet. Everybody remembers that story, right? Yes. Okay. Now you will find out that when you're studying Nehemiah, he talks about rebuilding the wall of the city. Okay. And who is Jerusalem? Does everybody remember who Jerusalem is? We are. Exactly. We are the city of God. Okay. So the first thing Nehemiah did was to rebuild the wall. So why don't we, you know, let, let me talk about my part because I read chapters one through three and then, um, Everybody else who has something um, that you read, you know, can share with us what you read. Okay. Yep. So 
I'm not going to read everything. I'm just going to kind of summarize um, my three chapters, okay? Let me make sure we're recording. I, I put on the recording kind of early, to, yes, uh, because the other couple of weeks ago, I forgot to record. Okay. Did everybody read chapter one through three as well? Or was it just I yeah, read it? Yeah, all of us read the whole book, I believe. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, good. Amen. Excellent. So it begins with Nehemiah, who's one of the courtiers of King Artaxerxes. Okay. Now, let's not. Oh, mom's video is on. Mom, your video is on. No. Okay. Okay, now it's gone. No, that, that was Did, not me. Okay, somebody with a pink hat. So that's that, Gwendolyn. Her video. Okay, is okay. Okay, good. No, no, I, I can't see her video now. All right. So, Nehemiah is a courtier. Everybody knows what a courtier is, correct? Yes. Okay. So, like an officer of, you know, the government, close to power. And he serves the king, and one day he shows up and he's looking really sad. And the king says to him, hey, look. I've never seen you look so sad. What's the problem? And he says, look, I'm sad because my country, my, 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 my city, you know, lies in ruin. And the king says, look, what would you need to rebuild it? Okay, just to let you know, Gwendolyn, your, your camera's on. So if you don't, if, if, you, if that's what you want, that's fine. Okay. So just, let, just to let you know that, um, I, my, I would love to go back and rebuild it. So the, the king says, okay, what do you need? I'll give it to you. He says, okay, give me a letter, you know, to go to that place to rebuild. And when he gets there, he doesn't tell anyone what's in his mind. Okay. He waits three days before he opens up to some of the elders who are still there. And that's Israelite elders who are still there and tells them he has a letter from the king to rebuild the, to rebuild the city, okay? Now, in chapter three, he begins to rebuild the city and its gates. And if you remember, it, I, I can't remember how many gates there were, but each gate had a name. You had the fish gates, the horse gates, etc. right? Yes. Right. Okay, yes. now, the book of Nehemiah is not just about rebuilding the city or rebuilding the wall. It's about the work of Jesus Christ. Nehemiah is a type of Christ here, okay? And it's speaking about the end times. That's the time you, are, uh, you and I are in now, okay? And that at the end of the captivity, remember we said, that Daniel had a, uh, read the Bible and saw that at the, at the end of 70 years, they should go out of captivity. Everybody remember that? Yes. yes. And he began to pray, correct? Yes. That God should end the captivity. But we don't see Daniel leave um, captivity and go do anything. What we do see is that there's another man 
called Nehemiah, and he prays a prayer as well, confessing the sins of his people. That was chapter one, right? Yes. And now God gives him favor in front of the king, the same king that Daniel was under, okay? The last king Daniel was under. And this king, in, in some Bibles, in some, not some Bibles, in the same Bible, you will see a place where he's called Artaxexi or Ahasuerus, okay? I want you to know it's the same person or his grandchild or his child, okay? Just, just for the Bible student out there, okay? So this Ahasuerus, A-H-E-U-S-E, whatever, okay, is the same Artaxexi. So this king, this Persian king, okay, everybody remember the, the book of Esther where she got yes. married to the king Ahasuerus? Yes. It's the yes. same guy. So in the book of Nehemiah, remember it says, and the queen was sitting with him. Do you remember that? Yes. In this book, in what, everybody remember? No, notice Nehemiah mentioned the queen as though he expects you to know who the queen was. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm what I'm trying to, why are we doing this? Remember we started off, we said we want to know Bible chronology. Okay. Yes. And we started off by the, with mm -hmm. the book of Judges, you know, and we found out that Samuel was the last judge. And after Samuel, there was King Saul, then King David, then King Solomon. And he had so many wives and they turned his heart away from God at the end. And God says, okay, I'm going to rent the kingdom from your children. And the kingdom split in two. And then we had the wicked kings of Israel. And there's not two wicked kings of Judah. Then they're still worshiping idols and the high places. And God decides he's going to send them to captivity for how many years? 70 years. 70 years. Exactly. Everybody remembers the story of Esther from when you were a kid when Queen Vashti or Vashti refused to show up when the king called her, her husband called her, and she refused to show up. Everybody remember that, correct? That story? Yes. yes. Remember, she, remember she was an Israelite girl, but she was in another country in captivity, right? Yes. But she was chosen to become the queen only to find out that one of the, some of the king's courtiers were planning to exterminate the Israelites. And yeah. Mordecai, her uncle, comes and says, how do you know if you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? Everybody remember that phrase, right? Yes. That's the yes. book of Esther. So what I'm trying to say to you is that king that Esther was married to is this king that's talking to Nehemiah. Does that make sense now? Yes, yeah, but yeah. what I don't, I don't remember reading in here where he mentions the queen. Oh yeah, he does, oh, he does. Um, when he showed up, let's see, very good. That's a good point, let me look for that. When he says that the queen sitting with him, okay. Okay, and So probably it's probably so probably in chapter two. So probably, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, okay, twentieth year. Yeah. Yeah. 
chapter two, verse six. Okay. Can you read that to us? The king and queen were seated beside him and asked me, was seated beside him, yeah, and asked yes. me how long the journey would take and when I would return. I set the date that was acceptable, and the king agreed that I might go. Okay. Now, this Atazekzi, this king, is the same king in the book of Esther. Okay. okay. So now Esther is queen. Okay. And now Nehemiah, he doesn't say, oh, the queen. He's, when Nehemiah is writing this, or whoever is writing this, assumes you know who the queen is. Okay. Because the queen sitting next to him, because she has his ear, she has the king's ear. Okay. And mm -hmm. Nehemiah gets favor from the king. He gives him what, whatever Nehemiah needs to go to rebuild the wall. Okay. And I'm saying to you that the wall and the altar, which he went to rebuild. So when Nehemiah goes, you'll find out that he ends up rebuilding the altar to offer sacrifice after rebuilding the wall. Correct? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what do these what what does this mean? This means that Jesus is going to come at the end of time to rebuild the wall of the church, which is the character of the church. But he's also going to fix the altar. The altar is the place of sacrifice. Okay? He will return a sacrificial lifestyle to the church. Amen. You know, Amen. I want you to why, why we're reading all these things, yes, we're getting to get the full context of it now. The Bible is no longer haphazard. You now understand that, whoa, Daniel, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, these all take place at the same time in the same court, okay? And later on, you will see when Nehemiah writes the name of all the people who went with him, one of the names on his list is Ezra. And he says nice things about the guy called Ezra, Okay? So they all live at the same time, okay? Daniel is now old. At this point in time, Daniel is an old man, so he's probably dying or something. So we don't hear much about him. All we know was he was the old man who prayed the prayer for God to begin to move because it was time. We all remember that, correct? Yes. When he prayed that prayer and an angel came and said, Asia Gabriel came and said, hey, from the first day you started praying, God heard your prayers and sent me, but I was stopped by the prince of where? Persia. Aha. Because the prince of Persia was ruling the world at this time, and the king Atazexi was under his influence. But God had overruled the prince of Persia, and here Atazexi, the king of the world at this time, is doing what God wants, okay? This same Atazexi, sometimes I said, referred to as Ahasuerus and sometimes referred to as Cyrus. Oh, okay. Okay, it's sometimes referred to as Cyrus. All right. Okay, so he goes and he starts rebuilding the wall. And um, mm. I, don't read, I don't read the part where he rebuilds the altar, but somebody else probably did that, okay? So I think I've read my own part and I'm giving you my own, you know, part of the book so whoever you know did four at five and six can take over from here all right
So four starts with where um, Sambalat. <laughs> everybody should always everybody should always remember those two guys, Tobias and Sambalat. I don't know why. When I first became a Christian, yeah. I could never get the, the names of those two guys out of my head. I always yeah. imagine what they look like. They're like <laughs> really like spoiling anything. <laughs> Is that are they is that is he a king or what is no Tobias and Samblat were like they were like um they were like not they were not really anything they were officials yeah. in a foreign land okay right. okay okay just like say when the United States occupied Iraq yeah. and then they send maybe two junior level officers from Korea to work yeah. in Iraq. Yeah. And they want to kick around the Iraqis. Okay. So that's what mm. Tobias and Samblat are not from Persia. They're okay. from another conquered nation. What the, what the Persians and Babylonians used to do was if they conquered the Israelites, they would scatter the Israelites across all nations except Israel. Right. So the Tobias and Samblat were also from some other place that had been conquered and they, they were scattered all over the empire except where they were from. So they had made Jerusalem their home and figured if anybody was going to do anything in Jerusalem, they needed to consult with them first. So it was the kind of power trip thing going on. I was wondering, yeah, it was really a power trip. Yes. So, well, they heard about the wall being um, built, about Jerusalem being rebuilt. Yes. And then they, um, they were angry and they mocked the Jews. And then, are they not Jews? I was, I was quite confused with that. Well, they mocked the Jews and, um, and they said, well, um, will they complete it in a day? Will they offer sacrifices? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? You know, just like really mocking them. These are the voices in your these are the voices in your head as a Christian. That's mm -hmm. what the Bible is trying to tell you. That yeah. Jesus is doing a job in your life, but there are voices that are trying to discourage you. Okay? True. To true. show you how bad you are. If you're really a Christian, this thing you're building, you know, you're building your spiritual life. Stop wasting your time. You know you're nothing spiritual about you. You true. know you're just a worth. Yeah. And that's Tobias and Sambler. That's why yeah. this is written for us to see. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, true. Um, and then also mocked, you know, if they will revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned. So, um, so Tobiah, he's an Ammonite, um, was beside him. And, and then he just mocked and said, whatever they build, you know, if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Um, so, um, and then, um, I believe they sent, this was a point where they, uh, uh, just one second, because uh, summarizing this um, and looking at the book makes me want to follow it line by line, but I, I don't think I should do it that way. Um, so they sent people basically to, um, to um, Nehemiah, and then they said, you know, why are they building this wall? And um, if they were building it so that they would 
um, oppress them or are they building it so that they would fortify themselves against war? Um, behind the lower parts of the wall. And so, um, well, they carried on building the wall and um, what they did was some people were doing the building, some people were guarding, like they, they were holding the bows and arrows, the lower part of the wall, physically guarding against enemies that right. Ambalat or Tobias might send their way. And um, so what happened was people began to complain. Um, some people, some wives began to complain that our sons and our daughters are many and therefore, you know, they don't have grain. Some were complaining that they've mortgaged their lands and vineyards. So, to, to, other, to other Israelites, that other so, Israelites were taking advantage of them and doing uh, usury. Well, so is it this, are they talking about people building this, this rebuilding, the rebuilding Israel? Or I didn't really understand this bit, to be quite honest with you. I don't know who they're complaining about. Yeah. With, yeah, there were some, remember, there were some Israelites that were still in the land, okay? But they were no longer keeping God's law. They, they, they were now living like Gentiles. I remember yeah. God says, don't lend money with interest. Yes. So they, they were charging high interest to their mm -hmm. own people. And when Nehemiah comes, those people start complaining to Nehemiah and say, look, see what our rich brothers have been doing to us. Okay. Right. And Nehemiah, like you see that in chapter five, Nehemiah saying, yes. you guys shouldn't do that. God said, we can't do that. We can't yeah. let use it. Yeah, because like in verse four, it says they borrowed money to pay their taxes. It says they, we borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon mm -hmm. our lands and vineyards and that they had yes. sold daughters into slavery to mm -hmm. try to pay these taxes. Yes. yes. So Nehemiah brings all the nobles together in, in verse 12 you know, mm -hmm. and tells them, look, you're going to have to restore everything to these people, you know, in the first Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so Nehemiah did um, said to them, um, you know, they should restore, um, just reading it the way he said it here, please let us stop this usury, restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, also a hundredth of the money and the grain, the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. And so um, he called on the he called the priests and required them to take an oath that they would do this according to their promise that they've made. And um, they, this was done. And you see these debts that we're reading here spiritually signif uh, signi uh, signify the, the things that you and I have become accustomed to that have become habit that are wrong. Yeah. And that Christ is coming to set you and I free from those habits. This is not about sin now. This is about debts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Remember, forgive us mm -hmm. our trespasses. Okay. As we forgive those who trespass against us. So we have debts that we owe God. We have debts that we owe one another. Mm -hmm. Okay. And these things act as a kind of weight on our spiritual life. And so you have to remember one thing. The, uh, I, I'm sorry for interjecting, but it's very important that 
we don't read the Bible like a storybook. Yes, it is, it, it's good to understand the chronology. It's good to love the stories, but we have to understand them as a book of prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm. Amen. So every single, when we say the scriptures, we mean the Old Testament. Okay. The New Testament is also scripture. Okay. But when the people in the, old, in the New Testament were talking about scripture, they only had the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. Okay. So okay. Jesus said that the scriptures, all of it, are testifying about him. So when we read these things, we need to begin to ask ourselves, what is it about this story that is somehow synonymous or indicative of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ or what I'm going through right now in my life? What is it about this story that is a kind of a pointer? Okay. Jesus Christ is usually symbolized by the lead character. Okay. Mm. Nehemiah would be Jesus Christ. Elijah would be Jesus Christ. Moses would be Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Good. Yes. So there were all types of Jesus. And then when Jesus came in the book of John, I can't remember what chapter it was. He says, all that came before me were thieves and robbers and the sheep would hear them not. He wasn't talking about bad people. He's talking about all the good guys. I know how that sounds. But Jesus played with used language like that, okay, to get mm -hmm. across real spiritual meaning. What he was saying was, none of these people could bring you and I into eternal life. Nehemiah couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. Abraham couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. Yeah. Okay. He says, okay. all that came before me were thieves and robbers. Okay. Okay. And the sheep would not hear them. Okay. okay. I am the good shepherd. I call my sheep by name and they follow me. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry for that interjection, but I want us to understand. You don't have to know this, everything, like what we've read today. You don't have to know yeah. account by account what happened. You just have to know a general picture of what's going on. Yes. So, and then how that applies to our spiritual life. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Brother Mike. Thanks. No, that's Thank helpful. you, man. That's yes, man. Um, so, um, and then um, in chapter six, um, when I guess at this point they have really done a lot of work and Sanballat and you know Tobias would have got the message that hmm, you know something good is happening here they are really doing a great job so they sent for they sent for him and he sent a message back to them to say that he's busy and doing God's work and he can't leave and he's doing a great work here um, so let, let me read it exactly the way he said it. He said, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing, a great... this is verse three, chapter six, okay. verse three, Okay. doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You know, this reminds me of our life, I know, and leaving what we're doing, God has told us to do, and right. uh, we never get back to it. Very good. We get derailed. Um, so, but they sent this message four times and he gave them exactly the same answer. He refused to leave. And then they sent um, a prophet, you know, very typical of what we have in, in the world today. Um, they sent someone to prophesy and, you know, tell him that, you know, that he needs to, to, to come 
he believed that they were going to try to kill him. He, he knew that it, they were not just calling him to come for somewhere along this chapter. He did explain that they were not just calling him, you know, to 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 give him a good word. But he 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 felt that they they planned to to kill him. Yeah, Shemaya wanted him to run away. Yes, yes. So um, it was interesting here. Um, on, in chapter chapter six, verse twelve, where he said, um, "No, chapter three. Let me start from chapter um, verse eleven. He said, and I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me." Because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. <laughs> do, you, do you see what happens in the world today? You know, this prophets. thing didn't start today, huh? Yeah, yeah. There are prophets for hire. There are prophets, lots of prophets for hire these days. For this, for this reason, he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil, evil report. And they might reproach me. So um, very interesting, you know. And um, he completed the wall, and um, it happened that when the enemies heard of it, and all the nations around saw these things, you know, they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. This is, mm -hmm. this is verse sixteen. Yeah. You know, so so yeah. Um, this this um, chapter six is really really you know very um. It speaks it speaks a lot to you know to things that we you know we notice today going on around the world. You know, there's so much fear mongering when you want. You know, you feel that you you have the right message from what you read from your prayers. But then you see people who put fear in you, you know, with prophecies and, you know, saying like, God told me this and maybe this person is this huge man of God and everyone fears. And, but deep, deep inside you, you know that this is not right. This is not the right message. And we have so many, so many people actually following that course because it came from this man of God or woman of God, someone who everyone respects. Yes. You know, and we get derailed from our mission. Exactly. Used to be focusing on. So that's it. Um, that's that's uh, my my own summary. Thank you. Thanks. Who has seven through whatever the next one was? Seven to nine. Um, I think I think I got, I think I got it. Yes. Okay. Okay. So chapter seven, when the the wall had been rebuilt, he set up the doors, the gatekeepers, and then he began to set up all of the other people, the Levites and who were the priests, and he began to go back and set up everything and he said the gates are not to be opened until the sun is hot and then he said appoint a watchman because of these people wanting to come and harm them and 
to them, he decided that they would have um, see who was there, and be, and he be, as he was putting the people together, he created a census, and it says that he found a list. He wanted a list of the family records, and came upon the list of the families who had returned, and so he went through those and put back into place the priests and their families, the lead and the singers the gatekeepers, um, the temple slaves. They call them the temple slaves. I'm, I'm not sure what that means, but the people who were in the temple and took care of things. And these were the descendants of the slaves of Solomon himself. So he had them doing the work of caring for this new, new, um, new Jerusalem and taking care of everything. And so then he... Um, You know, it lists who people were who returned from different places, and um, and then he said that there should be holy food only taken there, and it should be by a priest bearing the urim and thummim. And I'm not sure what that is. Okay, that's something. That's the no, the urim and thummim is like something for divining that Moses gave Aaron. Uh, they use uh, it to like kind of divine to know the will of God in a matter, almost like casting lots. Oh, okay. The yeah. Urim and Thurim were on the breastplate of the high priest, and God yes. would and and the priest would ask God his um, opinion or what he should do, direction he should go, and either the right or the left would um, light up for the answer from the heavenly Father. Right. Ah. Uh, Okay, so he he came and he said he had forty two thousand three hundred and sixty. That was his entire assembly, not in counting their male and female slaves, and they had seven thousand three hundred and thirty seven slaves. And as he goes on, he says the singers. He even counts the horses and lists all those here and the asses. And can I can I just say something? Yeah. Someday at Every, at your time, brethren, we should read every single word of this. Obviously not in these kind of sort of studies. These are what you do on your own, okay? Right. You take a highlighter, you sit down, and you just, just be reading, okay? And mm -hmm. God's going to speak. There's nothing in this book that is here by accident. Even though they sound very repetitive, you know, 600 horses, this, this. There's a message there. You just don't but, see it now. But one day, I, God will show it to you. Yeah, go ahead. I thought that um, the importance of the census and of all this counting and recording was that he was very thorough in re restoring and checking the people from the background of Moses and as they came forward and then restoring them. And then he reads the law, and that's a very interesting chapter in chapter eight. Yes. Because he just, he gets there and he starts reading it and he keeps on reading it. And the Feast of Booths starts. And throughout the whole of the Feast of Booths, he continues to read. And then, he, and then at the end, they had a feast for seven days. 
and then the solemn assembly on the eighth day is required, then the people confessed. And I think that is an important part for everyone to remember is that um, all the ceremony and whatever is actually still, still comes down to each single person. Each of us has a duty and each of us has a life and has to pull their own life into responsibility. And I think as it concerns us is that um, each of us every day has opportunities to say to people um, something that will hopeful, be hopeful and faith-filled and lead them back to um, that wall, which is us, because so many, so many of the bricks have fallen away. And so we, we um, in the confession of the people, the, that confession of the people is for each person to become a part of the wall again, and not just to crumbling ashes or what he would when he said it's just crumbling ashes. He didn't mean just the real wall. He meant each of us. Like we're the Christian Christ followers. Well, are we, or are we just a poorly built wall that will crumble if barely? The fox is blind on it. Yeah, so I think, um, and then at one part where he says in chapter, I mean, chapter 9 and verse 9, he says, you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and you heard their cry. I think, I think that reminds us, and it's to remind us that all of us are afflicted. And this chapter has meant a lot to me during this week and during these last times um, to put kind of some peace to all these last times. And to, to make me make the commitment that we have to rebuild our own brick. And so when people say things to step step up and say, you know, that's all great, but we have to rebuild the wall. That's all great. We have to rebuild the bricks. And, you know, um, it's been interesting to me how that can apply during this time. And um, he says how in chapter 16 and chapter 9 and verse 16. But the fathers proved to be insolent. They held their necks stiff and would not obey your commandments. And I think we all have to keep not just an eye on ourselves, but, you know, where did our parents slide away? Maybe our grandparents slide away. Where did people slide away? And and what did we take from that? And so now we're well student, you know, we're well down the slope. And so he, you know, that is what the confession of the people is, is to set, he says um, that that God did not forsake them in the desert. He won't forget to forsake us now. But he says, you've bestowed on us your understanding and tells the people, this is the time for you to stay to say, yes, we're in great distress and it's our own fault, but we'll ask God to have mercy on us. And um, and, and he says in verse 34, our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law. So he says, you know, no, all of them didn't do it, but each of us has to now come back and do, be a good brick. And so that's what I felt. And um, 
Did you notice yeah, how Ezra, did you notice how Ezra shows up a lot in chapter eight? Yes. Yeah. The whole of chapter eight is about Ezra, Ezra, Ezra. Uh -huh. So that tells yeah, because, you Ezra. Yeah, go ahead. Because they sent because Ezra was the one chosen to read the law to the people yes. and as he and as he just stood there, it, it you know, he says, um, Oh, standing at one end of the open place that was before the water gate. This is um, chapter 8, verse 3. He yes. read out the book from daybreak until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those children old enough to understand. And he had made this platform that he could, for this occasion and at his right, stood and then it lists the people and he opened the yes. scroll that all the people could see it and as he opened it the people rose and then you think of that's a hot country and these people stood there all those hours listening yes. to that man standing there all those hours um right. reading that now, law now before before to, before now you probably never knew that ezra and nehemiah were friends, colleagues, and worked together. You just knew the book of Nehemiah and you knew the book of Ezra, correct? Right, right. Now you're able to, now you can say, oh wait, these guys lived at the same time, they're contemporaries. Not only that, they lived at the same time with Mordecai and Queen Esther. And Queen Esther's yeah. husband, the king, is the same king in the book of Nehemiah who sent Nehemiah and, and Ezra back to Israel. And that's why we've been doing these series of studies because everything now falls into place. We're now beginning to understand what's going on until the master himself comes in the book of Matthew. Brother Michael? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was wondering, you keep referring to the law. That Nehemiah um, uh, refers to the law. Uh, Ezra stood up to read. But what, is, what yes. is it actually that he's reading? Can you tell me? Well, I'm assuming it's like... The book of Mo the books of Moses, like um, the books of Le uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, things like that. So yes. that was like like part of the ceremonial law, as well as the um, the law of health and um, how to behave and what to dress like and exactly exactly oh, okay because yes. I, I know the Ten Commandments takes about maybe ten minutes tops right so I couldn't right. understand. So it was the, all the books of the law. Okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and the people who've counted have said there are about 636 laws oh. in, in, um, in Exodus and Levit Leviticus. And Deuteronomy is just, the word Deuteronomy just means, I think in Latin, some kind of Latin, it means a second reading of the law or a second giving of the law. That's what Deuteronomy means. Okay. Jimmy. So that's why you'll find when, when you read Deuteronomy, it's like a repeat of the book of Leviticus. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank Thanks. Okay, go on, Sister Liz. Chapter 10, I think, or chapter 9. Chapter 9. She's yeah. finishing 9. Yes, yeah, so, so, and then he, um, he says, I really like the part, and I think it's important for all of us to read, is that today we are slaves. 
they didn't want me in your slaves over there back in those old days. I think he means today, your slaves. And he says, we have become slaves upon it. And he's talking about, to me, it means all the things that we have become slaves to and um, uh, negative deeds. You know, so it's when, when it's, you know, when people say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to, I don't have time to do the right thing. I don't have time to take, you know, take time to teach my children to become good people and read the Bible and to know the law. I don't have time to, I, I, all the things that in the law that you don't have time for, but you have plenty of time to do all the stuff that, you know, isn't going to help yourself or your city or your, or the world be a better place. And that was very important to me because I think um, so many of us, um, and it's something that, that we all have to look at in ourselves. You know, I don't have 10 minutes to read the Bible and pray in the morning, but I've got two hours to go out and gossip or watch shows about gossip on television. Mm-hmm. About people I don't even know, and and I, you know, and I, I don't have time. I don't have time to, at the market to buy healthy food because I'm too busy over at the other part of the store buying stuff that's not on my diet. It's going to make me sick, and I don't have time to do my exercise because I got to sit down in front of the TV and watch all these gossip shows that aren't going to help me or anybody else. And I think those are things that were really serious for me because of the programs I'm teaching. And a lot of the, you know, I work a lot with criminals and they will tell you, I don't have time to read the Bible. I said, you don't have time to read the Bible, but you had six hours to sit around the bar every night. You know, why don't you uh, take two hours off the bar and go home and get up and read the Bible in the morning. You might start being a more healthful person. And that to me was part of, what when he was reading the law, he wasn't reading it just like blah 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 blah. Because the next part says that people confessed. He said, "Okay, each of you confessed," and he certainly didn't mean all those thousands of people to come up there and say something. He meant look inside yourself and confess and make your peace with God and yes. change your life and. All of those people who were lending money and putting everybody else into poverty and making them sell their children to stop doing that because God told them not to do it. And But he wasn't standing up there telling them that. He was reading the law and letting them remember, oh, I wasn't supposed to do that. Or maybe my father never told me that. You know, my father was too busy to spend the time to tell me that I shouldn't do that. And so that's what I really got out of these chapters. And then in chapter 10. But chapter 10 agreement, is <laughs> Oh, that's someone else? Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I, can tell, I, can tell now that, I can tell now that Sister Liz did study it, the whole thing. So you can I, ended up, I ended up with a different chapter than I signed up for. <laughs> Sister Liz, can I tell you, you reminded me of something from my childhood uh, when a Sunday school teacher was explaining 
this chapter to the class and we talked about not having time and she was saying it was better to obey than to sacrifice and she gave us a little story and then after that she says it is imperative that we all take time to be holy even as graders. she said you take time to be holy in the fifth grade you will be teaching this to your children word for word. And I, yes, I, just, I, I, I just had to tell you that because I know there were times when the train was coming and we had a track to cross or we'd be late for school. And my mother would say, well, we have to take time to be holy. And I was thinking, but I don't want to have to stay after class. <laughs> so I just had to, I had to share that. Mm -hmm. Amen. Say what you were going to say about chapter 10. I mean, I know 10 and 11 I'm supposed to talk about, but you're on a roll. So just tell what you were going to tell. Oh, I just felt that chapter 10, you know, when it says the agreement of the people is that he wanted the people to agree with him and agree with each other that this was going to be a new place. And to me, that's where we, not just America, but as a world, we all have to do it and we're not going to do it if we don't stand up for it and we all you know if you say one person can change the world five people can do a lot more changing six people can do a lot more changing in the world and um, I really made it a commitment to just say things this year that I probably would I know that I would not have said before and it's been surprising that most people, some of the most horrible people have agreed with me. And I just said, thank you, God, because I think when they hear it, maybe it gets in their heart or something from God. But I don't think it's because of what I said. I think it, it opens that door. And I'm going to keep believing that and keep praying that and thanking God for that. Because I, I really think... All of us have been guilty of, if nothing else, just not saying, you know what, that's not okay. We need to do something that God wants us to do. And, you know, while we're over there buying the chips and, you know, the sodas and whatever, God wants us over there looking at some vegetables and some good things for our kids. And yes, buy something good once in a while, but buy something that when God tells us, you know, it's a good time to buy something and teach our children. And this was, this is really important to me is the teaching the children, you know, um, if we teach our children, Oh, you don't like vegetables. They will grow up not liking vegetables. And my sons had snacks in the refrigerator. They would cut up anytime they wanted a snack. They could have it. Their friends always came to our house and ate those snacks. And you know what? It was fruits and vegetables. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, now that my sons are getting to be older guys, they eat healthy food. And um, I think you know that little thing where it says, "As the twig is grown, so grows the tree." As the twig is bent, so grows the tree. We have forgotten, and most of us weren't bent, but you know, we, most of us need a pretty good pruning. And uh, get back, get back on track. And you know, I'm not saying I'm great or whatever. I've had pretty good pruning. <laughs> so, you know, 
and and but that's what I that's what I really get from this is that it, when the people agree, it's it's God helping them. It wasn't like oh Nehemiah is such a great reader. We all agreed. It's God. Nehemiah opened their mind just that little crack to to let God back in. Anyway, that's what I got from chapter 10. Okay. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, you know, I have 10 and 11, but I wanted to go back to chapter 9 just for a minute. Um, sure. After, after the people had finished reading the law, it says in chapter 9, verse 1, now, on the 20 and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And um, when I see that, that people only in those days, people, when they felt guilty and they felt um, sorry for what they had done, that they would go to God with sackcloth and ashes on them um, just to you know show their shame. So um, to me, that's how we know that that um, most of the people were feeling bad after listening to the law, like you said, and figuring out, wait, I didn't know that that wasn't what we were supposed to do. So they were very sorry. And then the end of Nehemiah chapter nine in verses 33 through 38, that Nehemiah um, explains that the people um, that knew the law that they did wicked things. And then in verse 36, let me read verse 36 through 38 in chapter nine, it says, behold, we are servants this day and for the land that thou gave us unto our fathers to eat the fruit thereof and the goods thereof. Behold, we are servants in it and it yieldeth much increase unto the kings whom thou hast set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and over our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it, and our princes, Levites and priests, seal unto it. So they acknowledged in chapter 9 that the reason why they're having so much trouble and are constantly being oppressed is because of the, you know, of our own sin, you know, when we decide to do wicked things, that um, there's a consequence. But yes. in ch chapter 10, their response, however, was not to turn to God and to look for God for direction and say, okay, we're going to follow God like we followed him as he was the pillar of cloud during the day and the, um, the, the fire by night. No, they didn't decide they were going to do that. In chapter, I mean, chapter 10, verse 29, it says, they clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of Lord our God and his judgments and his statutes. So they committed to the letter of the law. They did not commit to following God um, wherever he wanted them to go. They just said, okay, we're going to commit to the law. And then in verse 32, it says, 
also, we made our ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. And it goes on in chapter 10 and tells about all the additional laws that they decided that they should have. So they, they didn't get it, that their problem wasn't that they didn't have enough laws. Their problem was that they didn't follow God, that they followed Man. laws. So that was the curse that they entered into was that they were, they were committing to the law, not committing to doing the right things, but committing just to following the law and then making more laws. And that, um, then, okay. yes, that be man-made laws that they were, yes. that they were committing to instead yeah. of God's laws. Yes. Now I'm not saying that the laws that they had were that they committed to that it, they seem they seem reasonable and logical and whatnot, but God has called us to follow him. That he asks us to do things a lot of times don't make any sense to us at all. And when we're doing what he asks us to do and somebody questions us, we can't even explain why we're doing it. Um, because God said so. Well, why? I don't know, you know. And I think that I think that's exactly it. Is that, and and that's why when Jesus comes, he says, "I'm coming here to say, serve God. Don't don't be serving all these pages and pages and pages of laws." And to me, again, that's so current. And in that, we just passed a five thousand page law that didn't do anything for anyone. I mean, it's really ridiculous. It's all these laws, blah, 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 blah. And, but it's, it's over 5,000 pages. And all that's happened in those 5,000 pages, is there's hidden a whole lot of things <laughs> that, that helped out the Congress people, the Congress people who made the laws. And then at the end, they go, oh, yeah, we'll give you guys all 600 bucks. So be happy. And, and I think... That was not certainly what um, Nehemiah did, but in essence, that's kind of when you're what you're saying is they made all these laws, but they still forgot you got to go back and make that commitment and honor God. Amen. And to me, that's what Jesus said forget all that other stuff. And at one point, there's Jesus said, We are not talking about dishes. We're talking about humane treatment of animals. We're talking about God. We're talking about, you know, we're not talking about dishes. And yet, if you go to any um, any high um, Jewish temple today, they will not. They do not network with other religions because they might bring something something trace into their temple to put on the dishes so they can't eat a meal with people. So the temples that do share whatever with other people are like, oh no, we don't we don't we don't you know have any relationship with those temples either because they might have some butter on their dishes somewhere. And <laughs> and it's what Kate just said. That has nothing to do with back in the past. They said it's kind of like rotten to kill the calf 
and took it in the milk of its mother. And that was what that law said. And and now it's come down to you have to have some people have certain shelves for the dishes for certain days and with a week and certain ceremonies. And, and it never had anything to do with dishes. <laughs> and that was what Jesus was trying to say is, you know, when you look at the law, look at what it is means to God. We're not saying, you know, um, don't do all these things because we don't want you to eat cake and ice cream every day. We're saying your body can't take it. It's not good for you. And God gave you this beautiful gift. And you're you're disrespecting that gift if you don't take care of it. And, you know, it's, just, it's really a slap in the face to God to say, oh, well, you know, I got to get all this plastic surgery because you didn't know what I should look like. So I'm going to pay this doctor just so I can look like the, the current magazine woman or man or whatever. But though, or when you say, I don't have time to read the Bible because I can just go spend three hours at the gym. I can look whatever. And, and those are things that to me, I work with daily telling people, you know what? You could spend 10 minutes reading the Bible before you go to the gym. You're on that bike reading something. So why don't you read the Bible while you're on that bike at the gym? And and those are things to me where we can we can all look at ourselves and we can all talk to other people and say, you know, um, you're missing you're missing a whole lot in your own life and you're not helping others and you know, um you could you could make this world a much better place for yourself and for other people if you just serve God. Yes. That, that, that's why I totally agree with what you're saying, that people can hand you the law, but the last thing they needed to do was make more laws. So then in chapter 11, they continue down the slippery slope. In chapter 11, verse 1, um, one and two, it says, Amen. 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 And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. Well, I don't know that they they decided to use divination. Again, we talked about divination earlier in Liz's readings. Where and uh, Gwendolyn, thank you for explaining to us that the you know the high priest would look to see what lit up on his breastplate. That's not how we know the will of God. We don't cast lots to to um, to find the will of God. Um, and uh, so then they started splitting up the people and and giving rulership that this one's supposed to do that. They even went in verse seventeen. If you look at 17 and uh, chapter 11. Amen. 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 It, it says, and Mataniah, the son of Micah, the son of Zabdi, the son of Asaph, was the principal to begin the thanksgiving in prayer. And Babukai, the second among his brethren, and Abda, the son of Shamuai, the son of Gala, the son of Jebedon. So they even went down to the point, they got really crazy with their rules and said, okay, well, this person is going to lead us in the Thanksgiving prayer each time. Well, wait, what if God wanted um, somebody else 
to um, give the begin the Thanksgiving prayer. So they just kind of structured everything so structured and so specific that it gave no room for God to move or breathe. But they did it. They did it with good intentions. Their intention was, you know what? We're going to make the rules here so tight um, that we're definitely going to be following God from now on. Because look, we got all these rules and we've all committed an oath to follow all of these rules. So that that's what I got out of chapters 11 and 12. Shows the difference between divine God and the will of man. Amen. Amen. You said it better than I did, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that they just made all these rules, which kind of arbitrary thing in the name of God, but God didn't say so. They said so. Look at chapter 12, verse 46. Amen. 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 For, for in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were that of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. So what Nehemiah is trying to sorry, chief of the singers, thanks. So what Nehemiah is trying to do here is he's trying to reconstruct the system of worship, the system of, of service to God as best they could. And if you read your book of Psalms, you will notice that some Psalms begin and it will say a Psalm of Asaph. Do you guys remember that in the book of Psalms? Yes. Yes. Good. Sometimes it says Psalm of David, sometimes it says Psalm of Asaph. Okay. So Asaph was some guy who God gave a lot of Psalms to. I just wanted to point that out. Also, if we go back to what Dr. K read in uh, chapter 11. Now, uh, where, I, where is it where they, um, is it chapter 11 where they bind themselves and say they'll? It's chapter yeah, 10. Chapter 10. It says, verse okay, 29. Right. So these guys are saying, look, we're going to keep all the law of God. Okay. Now, if you all remember in the New Testament, Paul spoke against this. Yes. Paul spoke against it. They said, the man who seeks to keep one part of the law is condemned to keep all. Okay. So their problem here was that they were repeating the same mistakes their ancestors had made when mm. Moses gave the law. When Moses brought the law, remember we said there's 600 and something laws, not just the 10 commandments. Yes. They said to Moses, all that the Lord has said, we shall do. And Paul said, not a smart thing. Okay. Not a smart thing because you cannot keep the laws of God. And Paul says, if you live by the law, if you offend in one, you offend in all. Okay. Now let's look at the first offense that they gave in chapter 10. Right there, the writer is telling you that in verse 12, 
Yes. So I'm sorry. Verse 32. It says, also, we made ordinances for us. They made laws for themselves. Yeah. To charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of God. Now, Bible students, what's wrong with that? You know what's wrong with it? Yes, they yes. weren't supposed to charge. They were supposed to tithe. Aha. Uh -huh. But notice what they said. They said this was for the service of the house of God. The fact is this. And Moses the, had given... Yeah, go ahead. But the... Um, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but the, uh, the service of the house of God was given to the Levites and uh, they were paid in flesh and they were paid in tributes that the people would bring to the priest, um, the house of the priests. Good. Now, but notice there's a particular currency mentioned here and it's the word shekel. Mm -hmm. Why is this very important to us? It is because God specifically told the Israelites, every male 20 years and up must bring a half shekel once a year to the temple. Do you remember when Jesus had a confrontation with Peter about paying the temple tax? Yes. Or unto Caesar, what is Caesar's? And unto God, what is God's? No, no, that was different. This was when Peter was out there and the Pharisees met him and, says, and said to him, why doesn't your master pay the temple tax? And Peter said, oh, he does, he does. And the Bible says when G Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first one to speak and asked him a question and said, um, Simon, son of whatever, Peter, son of whatever, tell me, son of Jonah, tell me, from who do the kings of this world receive taxes from? From their children or from their subjects? And Peter says, from their subjects, master. He said, oh, so the children are exempt. But lest we cause the Pharisees to offend, go and catch a fish, yeah. open its mouth. The first one you'll see, take the, take the coin out of the mouth and go pay for you and I. Right. Notice it's one coin that's going to pay for both of them, correct? Yeah, yeah. right. It's the half shekel tax. It, there you go. The half shekel tax that God told Moses Every 20-year-old and up, that is a male, must pay once a year. But notice these guys, what they had decided to do. Lower the tax to make it a Lower third. the tax. <laughs> and, it says, and it says, we made ordinances for us. This is yes. not the ordinances. That's what I was complaining about, is that they made this stuff up. They yeah. just knew as they went. They just said, okay, they, this whole chapter, let Yeah, it. they're like, they well, you know, we're, we're poor. We know God wants us to give half a shekel each. But we'll give a third. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's better than giving him nothing. Okay. Yes. And who's supposed to read the last chapter? Sorry, I just want to point those two things out. 12 and 13. Nobody took 12 and 13. It's no, yours, you brother 12. Mike. <laughs> Sorry? It's yours. Sorry, go ahead. It's yours. You just had breakfast. Uh -huh. I didn't feel well. Uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Let me talk a little bit about it. There, Bert. All right. Uh, uh, you probably spoke about 12, so let's talk about 13. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, there's something in particular I wanted to find. 
Nehemiah went away and he came back. Do you know how many years he was away for? Seven. Twelve years. Okay. I, I wish I could find it. I thought somebody else was doing this. But when he came back after 12 years, they had gone back to what they were doing. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's see. Uh, okay, that, look at verse Wasn't that five, their history, though? Was, wasn't that their history always backsliding? <laughs> Hello. 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 We're still here. Hello. Mike said he was looking for something. He touched something again. <laughs> he timed us. Uh, he took our voice away. But that's why they went into captivity because they were always backsliding well, from the Lord. Oh, you hello. Know, hello. hello. Sorry, was I was I, was I muted out? Yes, we yes. didn't hear it at all. Oh, sorry. Okay, can <laughs> someone read for us verse four, verse four to uh, seven, please, of chapter thirteen? <laughs> oh, good. God's really in control here. Okay, and before this, Eliashib the priest having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine and the oil, which was given to, commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem, for in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Eliashib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. So there we go, right back to our old enemy, Tobiah. Right. And even the high priest had gone into business with Tobiah. Okay. In the years that he was, you know, he was gone. Okay. Twelve years. Yeah. So I'm looking for where it says twelve years, but you know, take it from me, it is twelve years somewhere. Okay. Anybody can find that during the week and please post it on um, the WhatsApp page. Okay. But his work got it because it tells you, it tells you what year he left. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'll take a look at it some other time uh, and then I'll post it on the page. So basically what you see in the Bible is a continuation of man trying to keep the law of God 
but failing. Okay? It starts mm -hmm. from the Garden of Eden. God wants a sacrifice. Cain works very hard and toils and digs up his yams and everything and brings to God. And God is like, mm, 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 mm. too much effort. Not my kind of thing. And his kid brother just goes and gets one of his dad's sheep and says, hey, God, I got something for you. And God says, oh, that's nice. Because there's no work involved in it. Are you listening mm. to me? So yes. all this thing in us that wants to be good, wants to do good, wants to make the world a better place and all of these things, they are good things. There's nothing wrong with the law. However, none of those things brings us any closer to Jesus Christ. Very important to never forget this. Okay? God wants us to make the world a better place. God wants us to go about doing good. And he said he is not unrighteous to forget the labor of love wherein we have served, okay, to help people. However, don't ever assume that that will give you peace with God or favor with God. What gives you favor with God is your simple faith in the blood of the lamb. And that was what Abel exercised and Cain failed to understand. Amen? Amen. That was what Abraham got to see when he was about to offer his child and God graciously provided a ram for him. Mm. That was what Moses understood. Every man of God, Nehemiah inclusive, they all respected the law of God, but they never trusted and put their trust in their ability to keep the law. And Paul kept having that problem with some Christians who held on so much to the Jewish law, I'd rather say the Israelite law, the term Jewish is a very new term that came out about you know four centuries ago, by the way. So if you ever see Jew in your Bible, it wasn't Jew, it was either Judah or Israel. Okay, just remember that. The term Jew re refers to something totally different. It refers to an ethnic group that came up from the Caucasus Mountains in um, Kazakhstan, et cetera, et cetera, that converted to the religion you today call Judaism. So please remember that. You're not dealing with the biblical Israel. Amen? Amen. All right. Please read my book, read my book, read my book, because I don't just say it there. I give you the facts and you find it. Okay. So uh, um, this guy is in the book of Nehemiah. The reason Nehemiah comes and sees them failing is because they, they are weak in the flesh. We're all weak in the flesh. We cannot keep the law. What you and I have going for us is two things. Number one, we have the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That blood of Jesus, that blood of Jesus Christ causes demons and circumstances to, 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 to stay away from you, to say, you know what? This guy is related to the man called God. Okay. Mm. Mm. That's, that's what it, that's just what it means. It's like a it's like a state trooper pulls you over, looks at your driver's license 
and sees that you have a similar name to the person who gave him the job as a police officer. Okay? That's what it means to have the blood of Jesus Christ. All right? It means yeah. that you have, you have the blood of God himself. You're God's relative. You're God's child. That's number one. But the second thing, the second thing you have is power. That's because you have received not just Jesus Christ, but the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus came, he said, wait, don't go anywhere. When the Holy Ghost comes, you shall receive power. See, the blood of Jesus gives you life. That means if you die, you go to heaven. But the Holy Ghost gives you power. That means you're able to be those things God wants you to be. But what God wants you to be is uniquely you, not something on a piece of paper. So when you are being you, I can't understand you. I can't interpret you. You're crazy to me. Jesus said, whoever is born of the spirit is like the breeze. You cannot tell from whence he comes, neither where he goes. You all remember that? John chapter 3, I believe it is. Yes. Or John chapter 4. So Liz is a unique person. Gwendolyn is a unique person. You all have a power from God to be you. So Liz is called by God to go minister to the gang members and to tell them, listen, don't say you can't do it. You can do it. Stop being a lazy bum. Get up. Okay. And they don't know where that power comes from, but they start to listen to you. They start to move. Yolinda Sr. is different. She has a totally different power from the same spirit. And she's functioning that. And I cannot judge her because I don't understand what the spirit is doing through her. But I do know that the spirit will never lead her to contradict the word of God. The spirit will never lead her to have unforgiveness. It will never lead her to have bitterness. So that's the thing that we have to remember. These people in the book of Nehemiah put a curse on themselves saying, we're going to do everything Ezra stood up all morning reading to us. Come on. Really? We just read that Ezra stood up from morning till afternoon reading the law. And some guy says, I put a curse on myself. Oh, no. If I don't do everything Ezra just read this afternoon. He spent six hours reading it. You see? He read for multiple days, not just one day. Oh, wow. He read for multiple days. And they said they bound themselves to a curse. Yes. Now, would you, in your right mind, you know, well, guess what? There's still people today that are still trying to make it to heaven without Jesus. So I better keep my mouth shut because people are still doing it. Okay. And worst of all, we who are Christians who have received the life are also sometimes trying to make things right with our own power rather than depending on the grace of God. Brother Mike, are they doing yes. it knowingly or unknowingly? Trying to make I it don't, I don't, I don't know. I okay. know, obviously, it's got to be both. There's definitely got to be. I mean, I can't speak for an individual, mm-hmm. okay? That definitely there are people who, okay, look at, look at the Tower of Babel. The people said they wanted to build a tower to get to heaven, right? Yes. Could they ever have succeeded? No. So no. why did God scatter? Why did God spoil the plan? 
Well, they thought was, that felt too big for them themselves. Exactly. And, God and knew that these it guys. Wasn't, it wasn't a holy. It wasn't a holy thought they were having. They weren't trying to get to God. They were trying to get at God. Well, we don't know that because the Bible doesn't say that. Well, it might be true. They wanted to be like God, just like their father, Satan. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to sit in the throne of the north, in the seat of the north, in the side of the mountain. Well, that, like, like I said, that might, be, that might be correct. But we always limit ourselves to exactly what was said. Do you hear what I'm saying? The other thing that, yes. The other thing that was said was that they wanted the tower there so that wherever they would were that they could see home you know that they could see the tower from wherever they were fine but my point the main thrust is of the story is that god stopped them from building the tower which was a mission impossible okay and god helped them and saved them god scattered them across the earth because when he first created them his intention was for them to be scattered upon the face of the earth. He said, be fruitful and replenish the earth. These guys had a different plan. They said, let's come together and build a city and a tower so we're not scattered upon the earth. Yes. So that's what I was trying to get at was that they were trying yes. to build some centralized place that they could all find from wherever they now, were. Now, in, well, the in, in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is in trouble with some Christians because some Christians came to the Galatians and told the Galatians, unless you are circumcised like Moses said, you cannot be saved. And Paul said, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? Who started in faith and now you want to be made perfect by observing the law? You see that? So yes. you and I continue having that struggle as individuals, walking by the grace of God, believing that this wall that God is rebuilding, the wall of Nehemiah in your life and in my life, can be done by God and God alone. And the wall of Jericho that Satan put up can be pulled down by God and God alone. And that's the, that was the, that's the thrust of this message from the book of Nehemiah, that God despite of all your enemies is going to rebuild that wall and eventually rebuild that altar which was what nehemiah came to do to rebuild the wall and rebuild the altar okay all right i think we spent quite a while today um is there anything else that somebody wants to elaborate on uh, sister gwendolyn um anybody no thank you okay All right. Can somebody close us in prayer then? So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay? Don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook, go over this video so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook, write me through you know, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thanks so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said if you want to continue listening to us, you can always go. Okay? 
to our website, you can see the online rituals that you can get us through. Like I mentioned um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio. Okay. I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons, hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you watch these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook or you're watching through some other video like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so you won't even see a like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you. Or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you, hit that like button. Okay, hit that like button. It matters to us. Okay, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. 